On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we will be talking to our new colleague, Steve Lavin. Steve, Coach Coach Steve Lavin, Coach Lav, Coach Lav, Lav. Lavin, <laughs> call him whatever you want. He doesn't care. He uh, he showed up in studio. He was wearing a full get-up Adidas jumpsuit. With and then tried fresh... to act like he wasn't wearing yeah. a full Adidas you know, get-up and tried to act like it just randomly happened. He didn't know where it came I from. I was mesmerized by his hair. I was mesmerized <laughs> by his whole aesthetic. It was a, t- a fun interview. He's a, he, he got his start at Purdue, and um, being an Indiana guy, mm-hmm. uh, I knew a lot of people that he knows, and I wanted to ask him a million things, but... Uh, I don't know. It, it was it was a great interview. I knew I knew I could talk to him for forever. And the people are asking, did you sign your LOI today? Did you sign your letter? I was ready. Yeah, okay. yeah. He Good. he. At two different times, he was basically explaining to me what made St. John so great, mm-hmm. but then he was also explaining what made UCLA so great. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm I commit to both, Coach. I'll play for both programs. Well, we committed we'll to Fox out, Sports. Yeah. We knew yeah. Coach Lab was <laughs> right. here, and we're like, we'll be a Fox. Sports. Uh, we are also going to talk about. We're going to do. Speaking of UCLA, it, it works out well that a former UCLA head coach was here because mm-hmm. uh, we have to talk about the UCLA Bruins and the Pac-12 update. Mm-hmm. The hottest team in America. I'm taking it it's there. It's official. Not just the Pac-12. They are the hottest team in America. Mick Cronin is the hottest man in America. <laughs> He's the sexiest man alive. Um, mm-hmm. What UCLA is doing is, is unbelievable. We we went to Poly Pavilion for both games that they just won, uh, and and that is going to to encompass a big part of your Pac-12 update. I I, I think that it is the entire yeah, update. Probably will be. We went to back-to-back UCLA games. Mick Cronin is like you said, the hottest coach in America. People mm-hmm. love Mick Cronin, and if you had told us this in December. I think that I could have told you 15 million other things that would have happened. Right. One of them being maybe the Milky Way doesn't exist anymore. And, yeah. and here we are. You As know, it turns out, it. four billion years, it's, it's going to happen, according to the Twitter yeah. like gif that yes. was yeah. – yes. Uh, buckle up for that one. Um, Nat Geo really getting at people. Also, a, a, a pretty weird Saturday uh, uh, with Baylor losing. We, you know, we mm-hmm. Duke lost. I don't know if you saw that, Tate. Now, What's they going lost on? Back to back, they already lost because I, I said Duke lost, and you're like, no, we already talked about that. No, mm-hmm. they they lost again, and they fell um, all the way to twelve in the morning. <laughs> What a drop off! Uh, uh, so yeah, there, there was some shakeup. Maryland lost. I don't know how that happened. That was that was <laughs> that was very surprising. Who mm-hmm. saw that coming? Um, so we're we're going to talk about some of that. There's there's obviously a ton of stuff going on in college basketball. March is officially here, Tate. Yes. We have to get excited. We have to get revved up for <laughs> for the greatest month of the year. We are going to do that. But first, Woody Durham. All right, before we get started, uh, we have exciting news, Tate, breaking news. Um, we have merch. It's, it's, we, we, we are following mm-hmm. in the footsteps of John Rothstein, um, who is the merch king. Don't you ever say that. This is merch. How, has he done this as merch yet? Has he made this a thing? <laughs> Absolutely, he has definitely done that. And if he hasn't, we'll trademark it right now. We're calling the lawyers uh, at Fox to get this going. Hashtag merch madness. If you see it from John Rothstein... <laughs> Please add us and let us know that because we have to send him a cease and desist. Uh, our friends at Homage made shirts for us. Um, really, the the whole point of making shirts is we we want to uh, we want to bring back dirty laundry. You mm-hmm. remember dirty laundry uh, was on the old program. We would would read stories that people would submit from. Um, you, it started out as managers telling stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it quickly turned into just like we, we accepted stories from anybody. It, it used to be like I was to our own detriment. Yeah, I was, I was yes. sort of fact checking these, and then mm-hmm. eventually I was like, nah, I'll just take any story, whatever. Uh, so we have an email address, titusandtate at gmail.com. Um, send us it, the, the premise is you, you run into basketball players on campus, coaches mm-hmm. on campus. You're a part of a team, and you're in a locker room when a coach said this, when a, this player punched this player this one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can't stress this enough. We do not want to hear names. Do not mm-hmm. name names. 
Um, we're not trying to ruin anybody's life or career or anything else. We're just trying to all have a good laugh. Um, <laughs> but we're going to give out shirts to our favorite stories. And uh, I, I wanted to find a way to reward people. And, um, yeah, I figured people love merch. So let's just make let's just have homage make us some shirts. Yeah, people do love merch. And we're going to put it out to the world tomorrow. Yeah. The actual link for the merchandise. It, like to, to bury the lead. I mean, it's basically like a bag on a shirt that says Titus and Tate. But it's a comfortable shirt. It's a beautiful shirt. Homage is a company that we have a homage shirt on right now. I do as well. It's yeah, they're great. comfortable t-shirt. So even if you don't like Titus and Tate, just, we don't care. Yeah, just buy the shirt. You know, or they, to, or, they, you know what? They even have an option. You don't even have to buy what they write on the shirt. They're like, just buy the shirt. <laughs> or, or don't whatever buy the color sh- you want. Or don't buy the shirt. I don't merch care. Merch madness. Do whatever you just want. Just tweet merch madness. Do whatever the hell you want. It's a free country. <laughs> coronavirus is wiping us all out. I got to be honest with you. I'm worried about coronavirus. I was joking with yes. Duncan about it on mm-hmm. the show. Um, and Duncan then, was not joking. Duncan was Duncan, <laughs> like, and then I obviously he asked me how I felt. Mm-hmm. I was obviously like, if it's my time, it's my time. I don't really care. And then. <laughs> I don't know. Like something happened where I, I, I think I said that because I didn't actually look up any stats whatsoever. Any, any, I, I knew literally nothing. I think it was just like an ignorance and bliss situation. And then I started googling. I was like, what, what is coronavirus anyway? Hmm, mm-hmm. this is interesting. And uh, I don't know. People are dying now in America. This is coming. This is close. To, it happened. I think it was like no. You know what it was? Is I made the joke like Moses might have it, and then people started tweeting at me that dogs can get it now. Yeah, and I think the classic modern American where it's and like, then, yeah, hey, I don't care until my dog. My dog. Yeah. What do you What do you mean canine? And uh, and then it blows up. And honestly, hearing that Moses could be affected, now I'm more concerned. Yeah, yeah. Poor but coronavirus. At the same, but at the same time, like, what, what do you do? They, they tell you not to touch your face, like, and and I mean, let me just tell you, I woke up to a knock on the door at impossible. nine a.m. this morning uh, from an Amazon delivery that my mother had made last night to get wipes because I have to wipe <laughs> down the entire plane apparently before I get on that plane before anyone else gets on that plane. I will probably be in a full hazmat suit by the time uh, she gets on sending me things for this flight because. We are flying in the heat of all this. You know, we're going to New York. We're about York. to do a lot of traveling. This we're going to go to Austin. Yeah. We're going to yeah. go to Atlanta for the Final Four. We're going to yeah. be in Vegas. We're going to be all over the place. So uh, I will have lots do you of think, wipes. Do you think coronavirus can do what the FBI was too cowardly to do, which is just take over a college basketball <laughs> season and, and bring yes. the hammer that the yes. FBI could? This is actually what the FBI yeah. <laughs> put in the world. They're like, how do we stop college hey, uh, basketball? Can, can I be the first to make this joke? I hope I am. Mm. Uh, uh, put coronavirus as your winner in your bracket, right? Like, do that. That's a good, if you've seen anyone else do yes. that, I, I came up with that first. And um, yeah. It's a good Halloween costume. That's, that's, dress up as a bracket and then yeah. put coronavirus. Well, coronavirus I mean, honestly, a, there's a chance that the NCAA, they said that maybe people won't be in the arena for the games. I know. Seriously. I, I, I still can. So I, I think I'm scared of coronavirus. I'm officially not. <laughs> I'm not scared, but I am. Like, Are you hitting the panic button? No, not yet. Okay. But it's on my radar. Now I'm like, oh, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. This is actually like a, I, I thought it was like a meme. It's mm-hmm. no longer a meme. It's mm-hmm. like an actual thing. But I still have settled on I'm not going to change my behavior in any way. And also, <laughs> I still think if I get it, it would actually be great for content and mm-hmm. it'd be kind of funny. So I'm not that scared. Like I think like I would spin it into a positive. I would turn it into content for the show. And I think that's the that's that's the, the moral of the story. Yeah, At so, the end of the day, we're willing um, to put our lives on the line. Uh, let's talk about another man who's willing to put his life <laughs> on the line, and that is Mick Cronin, the head coach of the UCLA Bruins, who has. By hook or by crook, has figured out a way. Uh, the UCLA Bruins on January 15th were 8-9. They lost at home to Stanford. Mm-hmm. They had lost to disastrous programs such as Cal State Fullerton, such as Hofstra, mm-hmm. such as North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the bottom feeders of, of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Hofstra's having a pretty good year. Sorry, Hofstra. I didn't mean to, to rip on, on you there. Um, they were 8-9. They've now won 11 of 13, Tate. We just witnessed them sweep the Arizona teams. They, they are red hot. I... I really think they might be okay. Maybe the hottest team in the country is taking a little too far, but they they got to be one of the five hottest teams in the country. Mm-hmm. 
Who wants to play UCLA right now? Nobody. Nobody wants a piece of this. Everyone east of the Mississippi, I think, yeah, is willing right. to sign up for that game. They're like, what seed are they going to be in the tournament? Um, yeah, I'll take that. They're not even going to make the tournament, are they? They're going to be on the... But there's, I, I, I want to start with it. Here are my <laughs> thoughts right now. I, I have nothing against UCLA. I've become a UCLA. I think technically we're boosters now. We've gone mm-hmm. enough games. I've, I think if I buy another box of popcorn and another Chick-fil-A sandwich, I've technically mm-hmm. become a booster. I'd cross the threshold. Uh, it would be cool for UCLA to be good, for us to be here. We're, we're the only college basketball podcast I know of that operates in LA, so we kind of have the, you know, we're, we're on top of this story right now in the way that a lot of the other ones aren't. Um, but at the same time, the best case scenario for content is that Mick Cronin and UCLA win the Pac-12. Mm-hmm but don't make the tournament. That is the dream that I want. It's still in play. If Oregon loses, like UCLA doesn't technically have mm-hmm. to win again because Oregon could lose, and then UCLA could lose the USC and get a share. They lose the USC, say they lose in the first round of the Pac-12 mm-hmm. tournament. They technically win the regular season Pac-12 title, and they probably don't make the NCAA tournament. And then they get to the pull the card that UCF pulled in football where they're like, we are the national yeah, champions. Yeah, we're the national we champions. The we didn't get a chance. We didn't get a chance. Yeah, yeah we just didn't get a chance. <laughs> six games? You're telling me Nick's not going to win six? Come yeah. on. That's the, that's the play for UCLA. And welcome to the Pac-12 update. Here we are yet we're again. We're fully on in Bruin country. And uh, before we get there, quickly, one note about the Pac-12. Stanford, most regular season wins since 2008. Congratulations to the Oh, Cardinal. really? Wow. Yeah, wow. most regular season wins since 2008. Pac-12 stat of the day. Woo! Back to UCLA. <laughs> All right, there we go. Slam that you know that door is shut now uh pac 12 doing great uh ucla is doing great because we saw bobby hurley versus mick cronin and for whatever reason mick cronin has been able to a guy that we thought was unhinged right in vegas we saw him just be absolutely erratic now he is the savant coach he's the one that is somehow putting it together and actually you know keeping the button button with his jacket you know mm-hmm. he's running a strict program if, if you if you don't play good defense he'll rip you out of the yeah. starting lineup even if you're a senior like prince ali or one of these other guys and sean miller is losing his mind over there yes. he gets thrown out of the game bobby hurley on thursday night also losing his mind so somehow mick cronin and has created this whole aura of what what a season savvy coach we have yeah. at UCLA. Microna is like has, is like the calm calming mm. influence. He's persona. like Megamind. It's so funny because we went to the press conference after uh, uh, the Arizona game, and you're mm. in there watching him, and he's just like the most mellow, chill mm. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw this in Maui too. Like in, in his post game press conferences, he's always just like, "We're playing good ball," and then he'll like do that smile where he smirks, and he's like, "You know, it's a tough league," and he just kind of has that. And you're like, is this the same guy that was just stomping and yelling? And 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 it is. But he's got the he's figured out the balance of of screaming at the refs, screaming at the players, but then also being like the the cool, calm, collected guy. As Bobby Hurley, as you said, was losing his mind. Mm-hmm. Sean Miller got ejected from the game, mm-hmm. the Arizona game on Saturday, um, which I think was I think was the, the the problem with that one was he did it on purpose. That was a Norman Dale situation. He was purposely trying to get ejected to get his guys going. Um, what he wasn't prepared for was the guy who who stepped in for him. I don't even know who this is. It wasn't, it Danny, wasn't Peter. Danny Peters. That's it was not we, Danny Peters. Yes. I'm I'm an advocate for Danny <laughs> Peters, my college roommate who's an assistant coach on staff. When Sean Miller got ejected, I started rubbing my hands like yes. Danny's gonna fuck this yeah. up. We're the two guys <laughs> in UCLA here going, Danny, Danny. Everyone's like, Who's Danny? It's like that guy. That guy right coach. there. Yeah, right. Red Danny. tie. Uh and then they they let the the other assistant coach and uh Danny was I could see Danny on the bench. Like mm-hmm. I think he was cheering against the coach. I'm I'm kidding. Sorry, Danny. Danny, Danny, I'm joking. Um, no, uh, so so Mick Cronin has somehow found a way to be the calm, cool, collected guy, which is while is also a wild, being a maniac. While also being a maniac, it's yes. genius. 
How does he done it? I don't understand. It's duality. It's what people yeah. want. People want yeah. a show. Mick Cronin knows how to give you a show on the sideline. He also had so their point differential was not that crazy. There, I think it was like minus one point seven over the past like thirteen games. And this new thing, they're like plus three point seven. There's not a huge There's, difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the team has not changed that much. It's basically, Chris Smith is. Good, good, like yes. really good now, like a reliable scorer. And then that if they need a bucket, give it to Tiger. Christmas. And then Jake Hyman couldn't miss against Arizona State. That was to be in the arena for the mm-hmm. Jake Hyman show was something. Special. Nineteen points in the first, half. and then that carried over to Arizona, where as soon as he gets in the game and touches the ball, the whole crowd stands. And by the the whole crowd, I mean I'm right there with him, just standing. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, Jake. Um, that that is electric. Mm-hmm. And then Tiger Campbell just. Plays like ass the entire game, basically, mm-hmm. but then hits big shots. That's like the that's the formula. That's mm-hmm. the formula right there. It's Chris <laughs> Smith, be the best player in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And he's playing like he is, even though he's probably not. Obviously, Peyton Pritchard's great. But Chris Smith, play like the best player in the Pac-12. Uh, Jake Hyman, just never miss. That's mm-hmm. awesome. We're going to play great defense. And then Tiger Campbell, you're going to show up. It's going to be Tiger time in the last four minutes. And Jaime is also the other guy that's sitting yeah. right there that's doing a bunch of – he hit the shot against UCLA yeah, or against right, Arizona, Arizona State, State to actually yeah. win the game for UCLA. So that was another guy that's really stepped up. And when we watched UCLA earlier in the year, it was kind of the usual suspects. Like, there's Prince Ali being terrible. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, just like what you'd expect from this team. And now it seems like Mick Cronin has found the guys that bought into Mick Cronin basketball, which is I love Mick we, we play defense, we don't take any shit from anyone else, and we're going to play hard. And Chris Smith, he looks like an NBA player right now because yeah, he he's does. playing yeah. that way. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. So dude. we don't know what's going on. That's what we should say. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, Oregon. Oregon <laughs> is still probably going to win. I'm trying. I'm doing the math in my head. Like, how can we make this happen? Oregon mm-hmm. still has two games left. If Oregon wins both of them. UCLA has to win at mm-hmm. least at USC. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna. Get, I don't know if it's gonna work. But they, they, I think USC is gonna win. USC has to has to be UCLA. And there's some redemption there because last year we went to the game, uh, the last game of the mm-hmm. season in Pauley, and UCLA hits a game winning shot with Jalen Hands, and that was a moment that I, USC had to deal with. And now I feel like I think this we year. have to go. I think we have to try to find a way to go to the USC game. I think I'm all in on UCLA now. I think I'm just. I'm we just don't know anyone in it. private schools. We <laughs> where are the wealthy kids? Give us some tickets. Um. Yeah. Where, where, how do you feel about Arizona? What are your thoughts on Arizona? Because Arizona might be the most talented. Uh, this is what you say about teams that just mm-hmm. have a lot of freshmen, and you can't find nice things to say about them. Mm-hmm. So you just say they're the mo- they have the most raw talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Arizona might have the most raw talent in the Pac-12. But boy, they just got swept in LA. They, they play uninspiring basketball. I think that you know Sean Miller probably has the most raw neck in all of college <laughs> basketball. Because when you think about the sweat that is just. Do you see the pictures of him? That- uh, what? From, uh, like what? the spit on his chin. What is going on? What is the dribble like? Like on his chin, he's like freaking out. All this other stuff. He's obviously you know got so clothes on. He's also trying to, like you said, outdo Mick Cronin's crazy and also mm-hmm. make a scene to get his players to get fired up. If that's what you have to do to get your players fired up. Maybe they're just not going to get fired up. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that that's going to motivate them. They're like, our coach is losing his are, mind. Same are, with Bobby Hurd. Are you in agreement with me that he, he purposely got ejected? Yes, as, uh, to, of course. Uh, f- what, what was the thought process there? To get the guys going? The thought or, process or is, is, like, or, or is it, you I, cannot blame me yeah, if I am right. not coaching this team, right? It's not my fault. This is this assistant's fault. The, the game doesn't count. Please don't fire me. Yeah. You know, I think that's all Sean Miller's thing. He's like, if I lose to Mick Cronin and this UCLA team on such a big stage when I should upset them, they're going to turn on me in Tucson. I thought about this. What what if there's a coach whose shtick was uh, getting ejected as often as possible? But it was always like, it was always getting ejected. Mm-hmm. Maybe this would be my brand. Um mm-hmm. Always getting ejected when you're up big and you're going to put the walk-ons in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
you're giving the walk-on players an opportunity to come in. You're taking them out. And then you're going to give your assistant coaches – you're going to do the Norman Dale, where you're like, I'm going to give my assistant coach mm-hmm. some head coaching reps. Mm-hmm. So you just go ballistic and get tossed at the when you're up by 35 with a minute and a half left. Here's the trick. you got to get mad at your own players, right? you got to yeah. get mad at your team for scoring on you know whoever you're beating That's by so much. That's happened before, you know right? I mean? there, there, this there's, is sportsmanship. There's an example um, – I, I, I swear it's happened before uh, – of a coach that got attacked for yelling at his own guys. I swear this has happened before. Let's I just, hope some, someone listening will, will... Let's just say Bobby Knight. Probably, yeah. But that that is a great way to get ejected. If you can get ejected for... You're yelling at your own players so mm-hmm. much that the refs come over and, and police your own coaching, that'd be great. Maybe that's what I should do. Yeah, that was the uh, the Michael Jordan. When he does the cradle dunk against Maryland, and then Dean Smith goes over and apologizes to Lefty Drizel and the rest of the Maryland team, and Michael Jordan's like... What? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't see that dunk? He's like, Listen, we do not do that. We do not showboat here at the University of North Carolina. Um... Uh, Colorado got swept yeah. in, the, in the Bay. Um, Colorado's Again, Stanford, out. Yeah, most regular season win since 2008. So what, what Pac-12 teams do you believe in? Obviously, you're a UCLA believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts on Arizona State? I'm not a UCLA believer. I am an Arizona <laughs> believer. I am an Arizona State believer. I'm a USC believer. I am a Washington State believer. And that's all that I will say. The what? That Those are the teams I believe in. Those five teams. You don't believe in UCLA? No. But you do believe in Washington, Washington State. State. Yes, because of Kyle Smith. Best coach okay. in the Pac-12. Okay. If you're watching closely, this. if you're watching closely the Pac-12, you know Kyle Smith's game. Nobody yeah. does. <laughs> you, know, you know Cougar basketball. If you're watching closely the, you're Pac-12, wa- if you're watching the Pac-12, you're listening to the wrong you know show. What you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Kyle Smith, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, God. Um, yeah, what other, what other thoughts are there? Did Gonzaga uh, uh, beat St. Mary's? They were tied at halftime. Well, um, San Diego State was down in, against Nevada. I was going to say, that. the big yeah. talk, right, is like we're, we could potentially, we mm-hmm. should say this, potentially have two number one seeds west of the Mississippi. With Four C- number one. Well, Let's just move the Mississippi over a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? Let's just get rid of these you other mean in the, You mean in the Pacific time zone? Yes, we'll in the yeah. West Coast basketball okay. world. Okay. We have two potential teams to be number one seeds in Gonzaga yeah. and San Diego State. Okay. That's monumental. That's Just wanted that's to point good. that out. I think that's yeah. pretty good. That's For pretty a in- year that we dedicated to West Coast basketball. And neither one of them are in the Pac-12. That's the best part about it all. <laughs> Yet. 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 Um, no, Pauley Pavilion, fun times. Uh, thank you to the UCLA. Uh, Always. Uh, Pavilion Club hooking us up with uh, nine dollar drinks and um, we we were very, saying how funny sad. it is like yeah. could you imagine donating millions of dollars walking in and someone being like that'll be eight bucks yeah you're like for a water <laughs> <laughs> son I'm thirsty we really should we need to break down the Pavilion Club I don't know how this happens but Tate and I uh, every time we go to UCLA game we find our way into the the, the Pavilion Club's like the big donor yes. thing yes and the scene there is. It's it's a little different than the club at Ohio State. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the clientele at UCLA, as you might imagine, is is very different. But as you said, it's so funny because you can t- you you walk around, and you can tell like the five or six guys who donated like thirty nine million dollars mm-hmm. every year, um, and they're getting charged like nine fifty for a beer. <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. They're, they're still like squeezing them. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll save that for another day. But uh, congratulations to UCLA. What could possibly go wrong now? You're flying high. You are the, the in sole possession, Tate, in first place. They do not have to win a game necessarily to win the Pac-12. But like I said, if Oregon loses, they clinch a share of the Pac-12. Um, that is what I'm rooting for. No disrespect to UCLA. I think UCLA fans are kind of rooting for that, too. I think they... I don't think they want to make the tournament. I think I think it's best to not make the tournament. Win the Pac-12, don't make the tournament, because you don't want to get like exposed, mm. necessarily. Mm. You, you just want to like ride it out. You just want to be like, I can't believe in year one, Mick Cronin got us 
to win the Pac-12. You don't remember this period of time right now. Yeah. You don't want to remember like getting blown out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Losing in, in Dayton in the mm-hmm. play-in game to mm-hmm. NC State by mm-hmm. you know twelve. Like who wants to? No, that's not how you want the season to end. You want it to end by watching Selection Sunday and your name's not called, and then you have Dickie V mm-hmm. uh, on TV. Oh no, baby, yeah. come on! Screaming They're about drowning. how the underdog is once again disrespected, and he's mm-hmm. talking about a, a, a program with 11 national titles. That's what you want. That's exactly how we want the season to end. I wanted to ask Coach Lavin. We have Coach Lavin coming up. I, I should yeah. have asked him, how much does he hate the number 11? Because I oh, feel yeah. like at UCLA, if you're the head coach, that's all you hear all the time. Well, 11 national titles. Yeah. Remember that? You're like, yeah, I do. Yes, I do! <laughs> Good luck. Well, let, let's uh, let's talk to him. Uh, we uh, we we sat down with Coach Lav. He came in, uh, kind of a long interview. We were, we're long winded because we get so excited when we get a uh, he's got a guy stories. like he, he's got stories for days, and uh, we could have talked to him for a whole another hour, honestly. But um, no, he was great. Former UCLA coach Steve Lavin on one of the most legendary staffs that college basketball has ever seen, the nineteen ninety five UCLA team. Um, we 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 cut it up with him, and we hope you enjoy. Here's our interview, Steve Lavin. Quick break to get a word from our sponsors, DraftKings. We are thrilled here at Titus and Tate to announce a brand new partnership with DraftKings Sportsbook. Do you know this, Mark? Couldn't be more thrilled. I'm I'm beyond thrilled. You may know them as the leader in daily fantasy sports, but what you may not know is that they have recently launched America's top-rated sportsbook app. Conference tournaments are right around the corner, and even though you may not be on the court, there are still plenty of ways to score. Can I just the- say I love your cadence when you read these things? You're just like, it is you're on the court. And then the hit, and plenty of ways to score it. some green with DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook <laughs> offers a full college basketball gambling <laughs> experience, including futures betting on conference winners, player of the year, coach of the year award. This is all in addition to pregame, in-game, and parlay betting. We have a lot of games coming up in the world of college basketball that we have to bet on. I can't wait to bet on these games. We'll see if we actually do, but we know that we'll use DraftKings Sportsbook, which is legal, safe, and secure. It's, those it's are all, my three favorite those things. Those are my three favorite things. Uh, you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer to date. Right now, you won't miss this. Please don't miss this. Download the top rate is DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TATE. I'm, I'm sorry, Titus. Uh, T-A-T-E when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus to up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget to enter code Tate and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Offer valid in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You're supposed to what read is that. going on in Indiana? You're supposed, and, uh, and you're to, supposed to read that under your breath and get yeah, the whole thing. You know what? It? You need to know, people. <laughs> you need to hear it. Thank you, Draft. Speaking of being 21, Tate, we're also brought to you by Coors Light. Ooh. I can't believe it. I'm so excited about Get this. Get drunk and you know make the Coors? So uh, Coors is, uh, you know, Sam Elliott does the Coors. At yes. Cor- the, the banquet beers. How yes. he says it. So I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to do, because I... I'm going to do a Sam Elliott impression Please. for this because I feel like that is like Sam Elliott light doing Coors Light. That's the that's the whole point. It's March. That means your favorite men's college. I can't do this. This is bad. <laughs> this means your favorite men's college basketball tournament is here. There's nothing like the nonstop, unpredictable excitement of March hoops. You need dip in as you read I feel, this. I feel like I'm Randy Marsh doing integrity. <laughs> There's also form. nothing worse than being stuck at work while your friends are taking the action at the bar. 
Everyone in my hometown just got the show now. They're like, I can understand it finally. Yeah. <laughs> like, I finally hear what they're saying. Coors Light, the official beer of working. Uh, Coors Light is the official beer of working remotely. Wants you to set up your off- out of office so you can chill with your friends during the greatest sports event of the year. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. As the official bur- ugh, as the official beer <laughs> burr. <laughs> burr of working remotely this March, Coors Light wants you to be the guy at the bar sending a photo to your friends, not the guy at work getting one. The nonstop action of college basketball tournament requires mountain cold refreshment so you can chill during the games. Coors Light is made to chill. It is the only beer we're going to be drinking all tournament. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I am so excited for this. Coors Light, send us some beer. I, I cannot burr. ask. Can send, send us some beer. Send me some Coors Light. <laughs> the mountains burr. turn blue. You know it's ready to rock. Uh, <laughs> Coors Light, the only beer that we will be drinking all tournament. Uh, celebrate responsibly. Coors Light. I'll, I'll do it fast. This is how you're supposed to do it, too. Ready? Celebrate responsibly. Coors Light Brewing. Coors, damn it. Celebrate responsibly. Coors, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coors Light. Drink responsibly. Back to the show. Yeah, back to the show. <laughs> All right. Joining us now in studio is Coach Steve Levin. Uh, can I still call you coach? That's my first Absolutely. question. Absolutely. Is when when does that ever expire? I'm fascinated with this. Like uh, I, the 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 most egregious example of this is uh, I noticed Grant Hill still calls Bill Raftery coach, <laughs> and I feel like Raff hasn't coached what since the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you feel like coach is ever a title that expires? You're coach forever. It seems as though that's the case. Yeah. I haven't done a deep dive on the analytics or metrics mm-hmm. <laughs> of that subject, but uh, coach, Coach Lav, all right, uh, Lav. Uh, seems to be. Oh, we, we think the line play. is Dick Vitale, right? You just yeah, you, like, can't, you, you, you can't. Don't, you don't call him Coach Vitale. If you're calling him Coach Vitale, that's a problem. <laughs> I'm drawing the line there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Raf probably gets Coach mm-hmm. and Raf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Both three yeah. letters. And it's kind of <laughs> sure. in terms of <laughs> syllables, right? It's it's uh, just um, enough. We we wanted you on the show last week, but you had to call the uh, you're calling the Indiana <laughs> Purdue game, and this was a big deal for you. You're going back to West Lafayette. You coached. Mm-hmm. It's my understanding that you had three coaching jobs, uh, three stops as a college basketball coach. One was in Los Angeles, obviously, as the, the coach of UCLA. Mm-hmm. One was in New York City as the coach of St. John's, and one was in West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, how do you power rank those three <laughs> cities? Would you say as far as like, yeah, it what, de- well, yeah. it probably depends on right the category. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. to establish that first. If it's corn, West Lafayette, <laughs> yeah, and if it's basketball fanaticism, uh, Indiana. Indiana, Mm -hmm. uh, both Uh, Purdue, uh, right? The Boilermakers and the Indiana Hoosiers and uh, the high school state championship, mm -hmm. right? Is as special as it gets. Uh, When you look at UCLA, it's uh, the dynasty that John Wooden built Mm -hmm. and then everyone trying to live up to that standard, the Mm -hmm. gold standard that he set, not just UCLA, but in the history of the sport in terms of achievement and success. And then St. John's, for college basketball, it's the crown jewel yeah. uh, of that state. I mean, New York City, the Big Apple, the tradition, the garden, uh, the home court of the Johnnies. Uh, so they, for different reasons, are really special. You know, mm-hmm. St. John's history going back, you know, the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, all the way up through Carneseca in the mid-80s when they kind of hit their apex and got to the final four with Chris Mullen and Mark Jackson and company. Uh, that has a special kind of feel in history, and the garden, uh, tough to beat yeah. as a place to perform, whether it's basketball or if you're a musician, right, or a vocalist. You never uh, stop recruiting, do you, Tate? I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm ready to commit, Coach. Where's the, do you have the papers here? Yeah, we're saying, I guess Fox Sports is uh, um, Well, and it all started at Purdue, so that 
Well, you know, the, the, is a special place. I want to ask you that. How do you end up? You're, you're a California kid, are you not? Um, yes, how do you San end Francisco. up? Yeah. How, how does that happen? Where your first stop on the coaching circuit is is in West Lafayette? How do you? Because my theory, can I offer you my theory? Is Absolutely. That, that Gene Cady saw your hair and he wanted to like <laughs> somehow. It was like like I gotta I gotta somehow take this man's hair and figure out a way. And he, it was like a whole now science experiment. Right here, that's a college basketball. He was running like a Frankenstein thing that just went horribly wrong, and he never quite figured it out. And uh, that was my theory. You didn't I stick wish, around long enough. That's the problem. And that's I wish Coach Katie was here. I saw him <laughs> last week uh, at that game, and then talked to him yesterday on the phone because he calls yeah. quite frequently, and he would get a kick out of yeah. your premise. Well, I, I read the one article began, that, that you know? Greg Doyle wrote that he spends however much money on the hair of on the comb over the whole thing. But but how, yeah. do, how do you end up at Purdue? How does a California kid end up uh, getting in touch with Coach Katie? Well, at a young age, I knew I wanted to coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of starts there. And then I started writing letters uh, to four coaches uh, that I really respected that all had a defensive uh, kind of approach that had allowed them to have great success. And uh, there's a range in these four. It was Mike Krzyzewski before he was Coach K, because this was in the mid-'80s when I first started putting pen to paper and sending these letters. Uh, so Coach K, uh, Bobby Knight, uh, Gene Cady, and Jerry Tarkanian, mm-hmm. and they're different. And then Jerry Tarkanian had assistant Tim Gergovich, who I really wrote more frequently uh, because he responded, and I had met him through summer camps and and through uh, different coaches that I met. And uh, surprisingly, all those coaches responded, so that began oh, yeah. uh, this kind of pen pal correspondence for a couple years. Did and you then, send, like, a picture with yourself as well? Or are they just like, they're like, this guy has the hair. <laughs> Somehow it always comes back to the hair. Uh, this was pre-gel. It was more of a mop top <laughs> okay. look, okay. you know, coming out of the 70s. Man. I was born yeah. in 1964, so I was the youngest of six kids. And so the 60s and 70s uh, had, a, had a big influence uh, without me even knowing it, partly because we couldn't afford mm-hmm. uh, to have six kids, you know, go to uh, – get a haircut or a beauty salon in, in my sister's out. case. Yeah. So we just figured it out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but so that led to then eventually visiting those four programs. Um, yeah. I had one year of eligibility at Chapman University. I had finished my playing eligibility. And so I took time between semesters uh, to visit those programs. And I spent um, uh, four weeks at Indiana, mm-hmm. um, lived with, Craig Hartman, who at the time was a manager, mm-hmm. also uh, Cree Smith, and it's so funny because uh, his dad Brian says Sloan. these names to me when I'm in Indiana, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, Cree Smith. yeah, Chris, <laughs> who could, who could <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cree Smith, and, and I basically was couch surfing between yeah. the players yeah. and the managers, mm-hmm. and then watching game film uh, with the coaching staff. Eventually, was on the bench mm-hmm. uh, for timeouts and and halftime, you know, post game talks, and then at every practice, and I did the same thing at Purdue. Uh, then I went back that summer. Uh, this would have been the summer of '88, and worked their summer camps. Okay. And then Coach Katie called me at the end of that summer, uh, August of '88, and mm-hmm. said we had some movement on our staff. There's an opening. It's a graduate assistant position. Would you be interested? And obviously, I jumped through that hoop, and that was 32 years ago. Wow. And everything kind of came from beginning with those letters and those visits, and then working their camps. <laughs> And then Coach Katie opening the door for yeah. me to this business. 
So if you did like the coaching tree, we know like coaching trees, right? Everyone wants to pick who they're in the coaching tree. With. I'm in the Brad Stevens coaching yes. tree, by the way. Yes, uh, I, I was uh, Brad Stevens' first coaching job he had. He was like 22 years old, and he uh, was coaching third graders at uh, a local wow. local third grade team of uh, Indianapolis kids. What if I told you? I was Mark one of those kids. Of those so I, I've always said that I'm a Brad Stevens disciple, and I'm trying to get a job. So if you can a, help me out with a, that. A good great. one. Yeah, yeah, at some point down the line, it could be a scout right, yeah, with the right. Celtics or fun office job for to, you. To Tate's point, it's a tough question because, like, am I in the Thad Mata coaching tree or the Brad Stevens coaching tree? Are you in the Bob Knight coaching tree or the Gene Katie? You know, I mean, Jim Herrick. Like, who yeah. do you pick who, at that point? And, like, once you make that decision, do you have to live with it forever? Yeah, can you change? You can, can, can you pick a different tree? Is it like, are you a bird or not? Can you fly to a different tree? Well, it's really good question or Thank subject you. to try and tackle here because you can also be a hybrid, mm-hmm. almost like families. Yeah. Uh-huh. That have you know the dad, but also the stepdad that was an influence. We call or, it the Larry Brown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very good. And then there's the the absent, uh, also the Larry Brown, which, which, which brings in grandparents. <laughs> right? Yeah, there you go. So the older mentors and influences. So when I look kind of at the arc of my career, uh, older people mm-hmm. are at the forefront in terms of influencing. I was fortunate. Uh, to learn from John Wooden, who was also a Purdue Boilermaker. Mm-hmm. Who, That's right. Uh, yeah. I think that would be the best pick, right? Yeah, you say you're in the all roads go back to the Wooden. Yep. Yeah. And, and Gene Cady, if he doesn't hire me, then I don't meet John Wooden at Purdue, and then I'm not at UCLA, and in all likelihood never become the head coach at UCLA unless right. John Wooden had known me since my Purdue days mm-hmm. because a nudge from John Wooden goes a long way, in particular when you're 32 years old, you're the interim coach, and – have no prior head coaching experience. So having Coach Wooden in my corner was was really helpful. But I learned a lot from Jim Herrick, and obviously mm-hmm. he was on staff. We won the national championship. was kind of a career game-changing experience. So indebted to Coach Herrick for hiring me at UCLA and then also for him reaching that pinnacle moment of cutting down the nets and bringing mm-hmm. an 11th championship to UCLA and the only championship that wasn't won by won. John Wooden. Yeah, right. Uh, speaking of that, we're fascinated by that that whole coaching staff. Like I think a lot of people are. I think everyone on that staff is. It's a legendary coaching staff with with Herrick. We had you, uh, uh, Mark Godfrey, Lorenzo Romar, Jim Herrick. Um, anybody that follows college basketball knows all, all of you guys. Not only as you said, had won the one title at UCLA in the last however many years it's been, um, but since that moment, you've all like gone on to do other notable, we'll say, great things. Um, but you were the one that kind of emerged as the obviously as the coach after Herrick leaves. Uh, what was that whole scene like? When, uh, as Tate said, when we were preparing for this, it felt it, on, from the outside looking in, it feels like a Game of Thrones situation where yes, everyone's so stabbing like, each other yes, in the Mark back, Godfrey, and you won. Omar. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. were the most tenured guy there. Now right? that you we know, ninety one, so yeah. you were the guy that was supposed to be picked. And I couldn't Did help you feel it. Did you feel I couldn't help eyeballs? but notice, Coach. I couldn't help but notice when when he when Tate and I last year we went to Godfrey's the uh, got good hair too. We went to the uh, Pepperdine. <laughs> no doubt. We went to the Pepperdine Northridge game and and Coach Herrick's obviously on Gott's staff mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, Lorenzo Romar is the coach at Pepperdine and I I think I tweeted at you at the time I was like the whole staff is here but you weren't there is, was that a conscious decision <laughs> like was there is there something going on there I was likely in studio okay all right Fox, good, okay all right tends to be what I do during the season <laughs> okay for those all five right. months but I would have loved uh, to have been on hand and I think. The the last time we were all together was a reunion for that 95 national championship team, whether it was the 15th year or the 20th year. This, interestingly enough, is the 25th anniversary, but I haven't even heard uh, whether or not UCLA is doing something 
maybe mm. because of the transition with Mick being in his first year, it's something they're going to wait until the 30th year. But uh, usually the 25th year is celebrated. I think Ed O'Bannon won his lawsuit. He's just like, I'm good. I don't need to ever go back. <laughs> like, I got what I needed out of that whole thing. And, uh, he's like, I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't agree. I think, Ed would be leading, <laughs> I think Ed would be leading the charge yeah, one more time. Yeah. Cover Sports Illustrated, Player of the Year, looking up at that banner, pretty special. But, uh, but yeah, that staff had great chemistry. I mean, we had yeah. as much fun. It yeah. was nice oh, to win, yeah. and winning clearly helps mm -hmm. to set the uh, the tone or the mood uh, right. to to have more fun and to be a little more lighthearted. Uh, but I also think because the staff was so different from one another, mm -hmm. uh, we came from different parts of the country. Um, Coach Eric was from West Virginia. Mark really had spent some time in Ohio, but also Alabama. And, Let's say uh, Alabama. Yeah, is that Alabama? <laughs> is that is that something you can sense as as you're in the moment? Like it's easy to look back now and, and notice that all you guys are successful and, and had great careers individually. But um, like if if I would have asked you in 1994 going going into that season, I'd been like, do you feel like all these guys are great coaches? Would you, including yourself even at that point in time in your career? I mean, um, it, it was unique in that we all aspired. Yeah, know, uh, to be head coaches, mm -hmm. and I guess if you're at UCLA, maybe that's a given. Um, yeah, because the coaches that were assistants on the staff when I first arrived uh, moved on rather quickly, and that played a part in then me ultimately getting the interim job when Coach Eric was dismissed, and then becoming the head coach for seven years. But Brad Holland was there mm -hmm. as an assistant when I first arrived. Tony Fuller uh, was mm -hmm. there as an assistant when I first arrived. Uh, Greg Greg White joined our staff mm -hmm. at one point. And uh, they all moved on to head coaching jobs. Uh, Tony Fuller went to San Diego State, then later Pepperdine. Brad Holland went to Fullerton, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, then San Diego, uh, right. coached the Toreros. And um, so that movement kind of allowed us to, uh, for Lorenzo to join, because when Tony Fuller left, Lorenzo joined our staff. And uh, when Brad Holland left, I think Mark Gottfried moved up Maybe I moved up and Greg White came in. So that plays a part too. Some of it's serendipity, yeah. fate. Uh, you have to be fortunate, timing, right, in life. I think you guys would look back at how you arrived at this moment and timing uh, plays such a big part of it. You can't deny that. And so yeah. I was fortunate in terms of the timing of things. Sure. Uh, what, what's it like being an interim coach? What is that experience like of, of not knowing and if it's your job? Tag and, away, you know, yeah. it's hard because then people put that on you. You're like, yeah. well, I'm not the interim coach uh, yeah. anymore. Now I'm the head coach. And, and, yeah, like what? every time they introduce you, they say interim, and you're like, it, that has to sting a little bit. Yeah. Like every single time, it's just like interim coach. You know, um, it was interesting because the way it was presented by Chuck Young, the chancellor at the time, who'd been there for decades, going all the way back to John Wooden's run, uh, and Pete Dallas, who had been there for decades, went to UCLA, was a basketball man, was a football manager, as a matter of fact, and then was working, I think, in recreation, you know, uh, intramurals, and and then became the athletic director and had a long run at UCLA. And it was presented as, we don't know how long you'll be the interim coach. Mm -hmm. It could be a couple weeks, uh, but we're going to do a national search. Um, it could be a couple months, but, you know, we'd like you to hold it down and you know, accept this interim position. And then when the new coach comes, uh, we'll try and, you know, encourage him yeah. uh, to keep you on for yeah. one year. <laughs> so one additional year. So it was kind no, of, what a great, great deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. Thanks guys. Yeah. Well, what? <laughs> Let me go recruit. <laughs> so 
what's interesting <laughs> is coming from you know a town I grew up in with a population of twenty eight hundred yeah. people in Northern California, and graduating from Chapman University, which had an enrollment of twenty five hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never would have imagined in my wildest dreams that you're going to become the UCLA head coach, even on an interim basis, even more mind blowing that it was for seven years. But even to hold it down for a couple of weeks was uh, something I could have never conceived of until that moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I remember I went back downstairs and my first call was to my mother and father. And then my second call was to coach Wooden. And um, he had told me earlier that day, when things started to shake out because I felt I was going to have a long time uh, or at least a lot of time I had, you know, to get out and visit him because we're assuming we're all going to get sent, you know, our way when you get a pink slip. And I remember him saying, you know, I think you're going to be very busy. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. and that was now after what looking a very back, yeah. way of <laughs> you're right. get the job. and yeah. he is—he's very much that way. Because yeah. that's what's interesting about Coach Wooden. You know, you try and ask basketball questions, and he would redirect it. And suddenly, you're talking about Gandhi and Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King and Lincoln and <laughs> Shakespeare and Walt Whitman. And then and all of a sudden, backdoor it, cut. Yeah, like, right, <laughs> right. It, and I'm like, what about that two-two-one press? And um, then it's Churchill that we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Now, he had a way of somehow is, relating all of it to your initial yeah, question. Like a parable. But without sort of. basketball. Yeah. yeah. And it was a broader way of teaching. Mm-hmm. And that's why he really prepared, you know, athletes, uh, his assistant coaches, you know, his teams for life beyond sport. And sport was just this, in his view, purest form of teaching things for life. Yeah. And, and using his classroom, the basketball court, and practices and games as a way to teach these important virtues or values that will sustain you uh, for the rest of your life. Did, did you ever teach how to put on socks? Wasn't that a move that he did? Where he, ta- he taught his players, like, here's how you put on socks. That's my favorite story that, that Walton likes to tell. Yeah, that. another metaphor. Yeah. yeah right? sure. <laughs> because it's uh, the attention to detail mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of the way in which you make your bed, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's Or... In, in this case, lace up your shoes and get ready. A preparation, right? Yeah. That old failing to prepare is preparing to fail. The greatest thing we do for those we love is to not do for them what they can do for themselves. And that's a oh, great let me write that parents, down. Let me write that down. Teachers, <laughs> coaches, Paul's right now, leadership. kids. Write this down. And he, and he was the first to admit that, you know, some was paraphrasing, some was direct quotes, you know, from – Lincoln and Gandhi and it must have been so uh, good to be him back then too before the internet where you could just rip quotes from people and no one could care you'd be like god damn John Wood's the smartest guy ever meanwhile John Wood's just he's got a big library of books he's just reading a quote and then he walks outside and says it to everybody and fact, that's smart. the last time I saw him at his apartment in Encino he had all these books out and you know I come in it's like wow and he's 99 years old you know, yeah. just short of his Hundredth birthday, and he ended up passing. I think June third or fourth of two thousand and ten, because I had just accepted the St. John's job uh, in April of two thousand ten. And I'd always check in with him anytime I was either interviewing for a job or considering a return to coaching. And he'd give this great advice because he's 
has life experience and just has a wisdom and, and sees the world in a different way and looks at life through a different prism or lens than most of us because of all the time on the planet, because he's so well-read, because he's grounded in education and the way he was raised by his parents and all these other wonderful traits that he possesses. But he was studying all the world religions at 99 years old. Wow. I mean, talk about a deep dive. Yeah. And he's coming to the finish line of his life, and that may have played a part in it. And he said, you know, I happen to be a Christian, Steve, and that's what inspired my walk with Christ. He said, but the older I get, I'm realizing these religions are more similar than they are different. And yet with all the bloodshed and the carnage yeah. through the years because of differences as opposed to finding more of the commonalities, the common threads that run through all religion. I was just like, wow. You talk about an intellectual appetite yeah. to learn and to grow. Yeah. I still get kind of goosebumps uh, thinking about it. And I was like, that's the guy I'd like to be at 99, yeah. to still be lucid enough, interested enough, have that intellectual curiosity and that appetite to learn and grow. And in a subject that uh, it's not like fishing, mm -hmm. which is nothing wrong with that, or you know, collecting coins. I mean, it's world religions yeah. and trying to find common threads among them all. I was gonna say, especially when you ask him about a matchup zone and then he starts talking about <laughs> yes. all the world religions, you're like, man. That would've been funny if he, no. I just wanna get a good inbound. It'd be funny if you he know? did the- uh... Coach, I'm going back to St. John's. Did you hear what right. I said? Give me some help. It'd be funny if you did the opposite and you wanted to talk to him about religion and all he ever talked about was basketball. Or like you, you ask him like actual, like real life questions and all of his metaphors are basketball and you're like, this is the most backwards thing. Uh, what's it like? So you have a relationship with Coach Wooden as you're at UCLA. Um, how, how do you is, – is it a conscious decision to make sure uh, uh, his shadow doesn't cast too much over you? Like to, to, to be to, – to have that position and, and he's coming to games and he's in your life. Like um, I, I feel like there would be that element of where like you're trying to be Steve – you're trying to have your own thing. You don't want to just have John Wooden's shadow over you at all times. But at the same time, it's John Wooden and like – you got to invite that into the program as well. Uh, how do you, is that something that you were conscious of or you just? I mean, you're aware that there's this large shadow yeah. because of his achievement and because of the unique person that he is and, and what he accomplished at UCLA. I think I was fortunate that because I got to know him first at Purdue mm -hmm. when I was an assistant, every time he'd come back, Coach Katie would give me the assignment of making sure we got Coach Wooden oh, okay. to wherever nice. he needed to go, yeah. uh, whether it was a book signing where he's autographing his books or was to an event that we were honoring him at. Mm -hmm. So driving him to the airport, you know, bringing him to campus. And so we had that relationship going back to uh, the late 80s. And then when I arrived at UCLA as an assistant coach, graduate assistant, volunteer assistant, uh, I really was at times doing the same thing with him in terms of going over to his apartment, um, you know, going to dinners with him, uh, meeting him for breakfast with other people that had come in and had relationships with the UCLA basketball program, but naturally wanted to meet the Pope. They wanted to meet John Wooden. And so facilitating that, kind of bridging that. And um, I was writing letters with him when I was an assistant at Purdue and assistant at UCLA and took all kinds of notes, yellow notepads of Coach Wooden's pearls and gems of wisdom. So we had a unique relationship that probably yeah. no other head coach in the history of UCLA had yeah. because it had to do with the common thread of the Big Ten, yeah. the state of Indiana, sure. and Purdue basketball, and then also 
uh, because I'm someone that loves the history of basketball and grew up in a basketball family. And my father had played for great coaches and Pete Newell and Phil Wolpert, who were both in the Hall of Fame. And my dad had played at the University of San Francisco. Also, my dad was an English teacher. He loved language. He was a wordsmith. He, you know, etymology was something. And the history of anything, whether it was jazz or cinema, um, you know, music, he, he had an appreciation for history. So Coach Wooden was an English teacher. And, you know, his two passions were basketball mm-hmm. and, and language and words. And those were my dad's two loves. So uh, my dad taught in the classroom at every level. And uh, Coach Wooden's classroom became the basketball court. But he started as an English teacher, Dayton, Kentucky, yeah. and yeah. then South Bend Central High School in Indiana. And then Indiana, Indiana State, State was Division Two at the time he was there. Uh, he also served in the Navy. And then came to UCLA I'm, for a 27-year run. Do you believe the story that he, he chose UCLA because the the power lines were knocked down in Minnesota? He told that story. Do you do you believe that? I that seems it, a little. I heard it 12 times. Doesn't it feel a little cruel to Minnesota <laughs> fans to like hear that over and over and over that like it, it basically was just like a bad snowstorm, one bad snowstorm, and maybe we're talking about Minnesota having 11 national titles and UCLA. Although is, Minnesota hmm. might have not stayed with him. Yeah, that's for true. Those 15 yeah. or 16 that is true. years because UCLA is. Yeah not known as a basketball program. They were right. kind of the stepchild, Dick, the Cal Bears. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that. The Cal was the established power, and then mm-hmm. UCLA kind of came out of now the UC system as we know it, but but it really starts with Cal. Then UCLA was kind of an experiment down south, and then it grew into, obviously, this amazing institution. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about St. John's, uh, specifically Amir Garrett, who is who has turned into like a world-class pitcher. Um <laughs> Do you take credit for this? Do you, I heard I, I reached out, I did some research, and I I was told that Amir Garrett quit. You you are you can take credit for his baseball career because he was so disgruntled playing basketball for you that he quit and decided to to pivot into baseball. That I don't know if that's true. That's yeah. what I was told. Sure. Um, my sources are are a little hazy though. Do Do you take credit for what he's become as a baseball pitcher? Well, I don't take credit. <laughs> what he's done as a baseball pitcher because he was just gifted from the jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is true that it was clear yeah. that his real talents were in baseball. Yeah. And his father, who I was very close with as well as Amir, I mean, we talked about it. Yeah. That, you know, this was a nice cup of coffee, yeah. you know, to play some college basketball. Um, and he also was on the front end as we were trying to get back to the NCAA tournament. So he didn't get to be a part of, you know, my fourth season where we won 20 games. And then my fifth season where we got back to the NCAA tournament, 2015, mm-hmm. he was there in the year where I had cancer and missed a season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then the next year my dad got sick and died. He was there for that season. That's right. So probably two of the toughest years in my life is what Amir was a part of. Right. And so uh, Mike Dunlap was his interim coach. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Um, and then I came back. So I had one year with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm just glad he's doing well, yeah. uh, whether it's because well, he was disgruntled or not. No, I was, I was, uh, I'm obviously kidding. Uh, but I, I find it fascinating because that's got to be a conversation that you're like not prepared for as a coach. You're, you're used to guys saying, I think I want to go pro. I mm-hmm. think I want to transfer. Mm-hmm. I, but to have a guy be like, I'm I'm great at baseball. You're like, huh? Like, what? Like this, <laughs> and from the that's jump. That's got to be like a weird, yeah. And I tried to sell them on, hey, coming to New York. Mm-hmm. No better place to kind of build your brand. Yeah, raise your profile. Yeah. One of the entertainment centers of the world. Mm-hmm. You got, you know, pro teams there with the Yankees and the Mets. And worst case, you know, 
you have baseball to fall back on, but why not get a couple years? And he was, you know, at that point, the the Reds had his rights. Mm-hmm. So he'd already signed a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And had right, yeah. income coming in. Dusty Baker, who was a friend of mine that I got to know through the years because I'm a big baseball fan too, and he loves basketball. But I remember Dusty saying he's as big a prospect as they have in their organization at the time. So yeah. I knew it was legit. It wasn't just, you know, sometimes people say they, Did you they're see, great at every sport, sh- but they're not. I'm yeah. sure you saw the fight uh, against Pittsburgh that he was involved in where he, he basically said, I'm going to try to fight the entire Pittsburgh Pirates roster. Um, yeah, I can't say I was surprised. It- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had a couple, I'm almost sure. That's old Biggie. That's old Biggie right there, yeah. We had a little dust up with Notre Dame, and mm. I think there was a dust up with Georgetown maybe during the, the end of the game handshake <laughs> or pre-game, you know, mm-hmm. when you're crossing the yeah. court and you have to go to opposite ends mm-hmm. to get to your bench. Uh, but even in practice, some he was a really fiery, intense. Sure. And we had Dominic Pointer, Sir Dominic Pointer, who mm-hmm. also uh, grew up as a boxer and a football player. And mm-hmm. he was actually, his father trained heavyweight fighters. And uh, we got into it. I forget who it was, someone on the Notre Dame team, but Dom was the wrong guy to pick on or mm-hmm. a trash talk with because he could get two or three punches in, you know, before he even raised your hand. Yeah. Um, and he was that, that gifted. <laughs> gifted. <laughs> <laughs> that kid could throw some haymakers. I've never seen anything like it. True. <laughs> even as a basketball coach, I could acknowledge oh, utility that. utility guy for us right there. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, I, I want to ask you a little bit about coach Katie. Cause I, I know how close you are. You said you, you, you talk to him all the time. He was famously, uh, uh, was he on your staff at St. John's or not? Like, yes. Yeah. Five years. Our what special was his assistant. Job? Well, we called him basketball Buddha. Uh, <laughs> that's my, what Jim Herrick's doing with, all, right now with coach. Yeah, Stafford. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very confusing as my, I was watching St. John's game. I was like, that's Gene Katie, but <laughs> yep. is it, is, my personal Mr. Doing? Miyagi. Okay. I got you. The Oracle of hoops. Yes. That, um, uh, you know, Coach K, hit him with the Abe Lincoln line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and his were priceless because they were so different than Coach Wooden's. Yeah, but they yeah. were still rooted in wisdom. Yeah. Uh, but he had a more direct way of saying things like, you know, get your head out of your right. You know, I feel like I, get after them. I feel know. like Nash, the national. Pers- the, I don't. I feel like Coach Katie doesn't really have much of a national. Um, what, what reputation or, or whatever? I, I he he was always in the shadow of Coach Knight because uh, you know growing up in Indiana, I was well versed in in who Gene Katie was, but he was basically a le- like a diet version of Bob Knight, like in the sense that Bob Knight won a little bit more than he did. Coach Katie yelled a lot and had the fiery attitude, but like I mean that's Bob Knight, like he is the fiery attitude. Um, are there are there any stories that you get like? Can you help me explain to our listeners who Coach Katie was? Because I think to most people he was just like the guy who happened to be coaching at Purdue when Knight was there. When in reality that guy and and has I think he's famous for the comb yeah, over. Yeah, I think the hair. But other than that, like it always comes back. It doesn't seem like a lot of people know a lot about him. And he was a wild character. Like the guy was <laughs> incredible. Well, first, just on the achievement front, it's interesting. You know, seven-time national coach of the year. I think mm-hmm. a six-time Big Ten coach of the year. And the only coach in the Big Ten to have a winning record against Bobby Knight, 21 and 20. That is true, yeah. Head-to-head competition. And obviously the NCAA tournaments, a couple Elite Eights, Mm -hmm. came up short of the Final Four, which was something that really drove him. Yeah. That was his catalyst. He got up every morning with the purpose and the intention, and he was open about it, that he wanted to get to a Final Four and win a national championship. Even though he didn't, what everyone around him learned from that kind of focus and purpose and intention was special. 
you mm-hmm. know, because you all take that with you when you go to your respective coaching jobs or for our players, the different industries they went into. And he kind of thrived on that underdog, yeah. you know, mentality mm-hmm. that we weren't getting the respect that we deserved. And he liked it that way. We were always picked seventh, eighth, or ninth, but then we'd win the league. Mm-hmm. And that's what he took pride in because they just would always say, how could Coach Katie win with these players? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't as though we had, you know, a number of lottery picks or yeah, uh, there were some guys later in his career. Yeah, like Glenn Robinson big dog gets there, and then it's and Brad yeah, Miller, right? Um, Brian Cardinal, Brian Cardinal, Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. Steve Scheffler had yeah, a couple yeah, years yeah. in there, and and you know there was an outstanding trio of Ever Stevens, Todd Mitchell, Troy Lewis, but they didn't have long careers in the NBA. Matt Painter's listening, like, college players. Matt Painter's listening, like they're going to they're say my name at some point, right? They have <laughs> to. They have to. Well, Matt was there for I was there uh, two of Matt's years yes. on staff. So did you recruit him? Yeah, I mean, I didn't personally. No, recruit you did. Him. No, you did. Say, so just say you did. Oh, I say, recruited yeah, Matt yeah, Painter. Yeah, you're the yeah. reason. I yeah, got take credit done. for. Yeah, Matt Painter is the Steve Lavin coaching tree. Yes, yeah, there you go. There it is. That's what we wanted to say. He tells a funny story because he actually was taking my coaching philosophy class, but I guess. There wasn't enough room in the class, so I had to drop him. Or maybe I was concerned about a potential <laughs> academic scandal. But he was in class like two or three weeks. This is a story he tells. And then I dropped him. I thought he completed the whole course, but, uh, <laughs> but I don't think that's the case now because he's he's told me often enough, like, no, Lav, you kicked me out of the class. You don't remember? Like, and I said, well, anyway, he <laughs> he was he had a gift, a feel for the game and an interest in the game. Yeah. Uh, he was a historian as well. And, you know, he'd come in and watch game film with the assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. And he was the only player while I was there that, that did that. That was kind of unusual. When I was UCLA, more players were starting to do that because I think there were some pros that would talk about mm-hmm. if you love the game, you're going to study the game. And uh, like a quarterback or football players would in the NFL. So, um, but yeah, he, he just had... It wasn't like he was talented or gifted uh, <laughs> by any means. But he also grew up around Glue guy. IU. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was close yeah, with Pat Knight. Pat Knight. And, yeah, so were, he, were, he was around Coach Knight were, some. And uh, were, so we didn't think we'd be able to yeah. get him. And um, again, he wasn't Mr. Basketball, but he was someone glue yeah. and understood and could transport the ball and understood angles and how to compensate for his lack of athleticism. And that's why he's such a heck of a coach. Yeah. Because he's coming at it. If you reverse engineer that with someone that had to really – pay attention to detail, be fundamentally sure. sound, find a way to get in the game because he couldn't just rely on his athletic ability. What, what was your playing career like? Division two, small college, uh, worse than Matt Painter. <laughs> I started at Chapman University. Uh, I'm sorry, I started at San Francisco State Quote University. Yeah. Yeah. Worse, yeah. Than, worse than Matt Painter. <laughs> <laughs> so started at San Francisco State University in terms of that's where my career started. Mm-hmm. I didn't start on the yeah. team. Were you a San Francisco Dons <laughs> fan growing up? I was. That was yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. And that's they were great back in the day. That's when Bill Cartwright, yeah. Chubby yeah. Cox, Winford Boynes, mm-hmm. uh, Phil Smith, Kevin Rastani, Eric Fernston. I mean, that's when USF had pros. Yeah. And obviously going way back, Casey Jones, Bill Russell, back to back championships, mm-hmm. 60 straight wins. Mm-hmm. They have the second longest winning streak on the men's basketball side. Uh, and at one point it was the top streak mm. until John Wooden yeah, came yeah. along in 188. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Dons dominated. They were Gonzaga before Gonzaga. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we, we know she was yeah, a we know the, that went yeah. around with like a president leaving San Francisco to go to Gonzaga and make Gonzaga the team. We don't, we yeah. don't, can't confirm that, but something happened. Yeah. There we'll was, that there's some, yeah. yeah. I have, I have a big conspiracy episode. about this, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they shut the program down for a couple of years. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they never really covered. Loyola with Paul Westhead had that great run to the Elite Eight with mm-hmm. Gathers and Kimball and. 
Mm. Jeff Fryer, a three-point yeah. shooter. I think it was. I think that the 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 thing the the president of of San Francisco was a Gonzaga graduate. Yes, and right when he took over at San Francisco, mm. the San Francisco. I think that's when they shut the program down, and then Gonzaga. He was an inside great. source. That's he he was it was an inside job. So he went to San Francisco. It was yeah, now if my history it was a if if my memory serves me well mm-hmm. and my sense of USF history, Father Loschiavo yeah. was the president that actually decided to shut the program down for a couple years. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because in my view, when I look back at it, um, I'm not sure that would have happened today. Yeah. I think they would have acted severely and swiftly in terms of- It wouldn't have happened. But I don't think the program would have been shut down. No, they don't shut down. I mean, look look around. They don't don't even fire (laughs) guys for things anymore. And and that's Much less shut things down. I mentioned Loyola Marymount had their great year, but then Pepperdine started to dominate. Yeah. And- Eventually, Gonzaga yeah. takes it to another level and never looks back. Yeah. Um, anything else, Dave? I was going to say, like, if you looked at all the West, we do like a Pac-12 update, which is basically any team west of the Mississippi we talk about. <laughs> that's the Pac-12. That's West Coast basketball. Mm-hmm. Is there any team program other than Gonzaga that you look at? You're like, that's a team. That's a program that's going to blow up. Is it San Diego State? Is it maybe Pepper? Who are the sleeping giants? Yeah, is the... it Cal State Northridge with Gottfried? Who? <laughs> In terms of the West Coast, I mean, we know St. Mary's is kind of consistent. Yeah, so they're right. already yeah, yeah, pretty right. high they're, profile. Yeah. Um, Gonzaga, BYU, mm-hmm. you know, who knocked oh. off Gonzaga. What, what's the best job out here on the like? What's the best West Coast job that people wouldn't realize is actually a great job to take? Other if that makes Pepper, sense, yeah. you know. Is there one that comes to mind? I like think that? USC. USC is. Do you, you think that'd be a good job? I, yeah. I think USC has the potential, and Andy Enfield's had some. Real success, yeah, um, and I think they want to take it to another level as they should. Uh, Tim Floyd looked like he was right on the brink yeah. of getting it rolling, and did get to a Sweet Sixteen. I think they upset Texas with Kevin Durant. They had Taj Gibson, yeah, they did. Yeah, and yeah, some yeah, other outstanding like, players come through. But then Nick Young, Nick Young that's right. OJ Mayo, OJ Mayo as well. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's it's and it's interesting. Like I look at San Francisco, and I think that's a job that could return. Yeah. To, yeah. to a high level yeah. uh, with the international flavor if you recruit overseas. Mm-hmm. A yeah. little like what Randy Bennett's done with Australia, going sure. down under mm-hmm. and bringing those players and, and building a, a powerhouse um, for the West Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like powerhouse to be a one seed, right? but the fact that within no, that no, league, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, just strong. Like, yeah. And I, what San Diego State is doing is remarkable. Sure. I mean, the transition from Fisher to Dutcher, mm-hmm. kind of seamless, even though they've you know, of late had some challenges, but that's going to happen. 18 to 22 year olds, everyone's gunning for you. Your number, you know, undefeated, mm-hmm. you know, up in the top five for the majority of the year. Uh, there's going to be an off night or a less favorable part of the schedule. No easy games, but a less favorable stretch. And, uh, or your kids just aren't on point in terms of mm-hmm. competitive greatness. And you're facing someone that is on point with a sense of urgency and purpose. And that's how you get beat, you know? Yeah. Uh, people panic and say, oh, so San Diego State's terrible. They're not for real. It's like, well, wait a second. That's no, they're, they're, they're good. You they're know, just, yeah. yeah. Defensively. I, I, and yeah. They, they play great play. defense and they have a guard that can score 40. I mean, you almost mm-hmm. did the other night. Like, what else What else do you want? Um, no doubt. Uh, all right. That, I think that's it. That's all I, that's all I had for you. Well, fun. Before we got here, you have maybe. to think Adidas, right? This is, this is the thing in college basketball. You're fully with Adidas. Adidas yeah. runs college basketball. We learned this a couple of years ago. Well, I didn't yeah. get any free gear. Oh, so this oh, is you just, didn't. you this just, is all, just no, let it be known. No, Jasmine yeah. and I went down okay. to Venice on Abbott Kinney. They have the new Adidas. Oh, yeah. Store. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so we picked this out and she gets a lot of credit, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, 
directing me in terms of style points. Adidas, drop the bag. Yeah. Is Venice, is Venice <laughs> your is Venice your spot in LA? Like I don't want to, I don't want to give away too many personal details here. We're not trying to get people knocking sure. on the door, but like, where, where what is your vibe of LA? Yeah. Like where do you? Where I you moved belong? here in 1991. Yeah, and in the 25 years, because there were some five years in New yeah. York, and I've been up in San Francisco for three years, but the majority from 91 forward has been in Venice, Venice? and some in the Marina. Okay. Lived on the Silver Strand. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I walked by it yesterday. Hadn't been there in probably a decade. Uh, take a look at my old home, nostalgia. Oh, and <laughs> I had a number of different... I lived on North Venice across from the Venice Library. I lived on Penmar Avenue oh, yeah. near the golf course. I lived on Electric Avenue, one of my favorite oh, spots. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Close to Abbott Kinney. So, right behind. Um, and I've forgotten a couple other spots. Oh, I lived on Maxella and Lincoln. That might be the Venice company. Oh, I know exactly you forgot some is, of those yeah. things. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Secondhand smoke. I mean, you got to be careful that area. The, Mick, Mick lives in Santa Monica, right? I think yes. I think that's where he's at. Yeah, it's do, a west side. Do you feel like, do you feel like that, that tells you a lot about the UCLA coach like where they live like I mean, I don't know. It, it would to me. I I'm glad I'm glad you're a Venice guy cuz I would be worried that you were like just a Brentwood like yeah. Or, or no, just, I kept it real, kept that commute yeah, going. Just stay, yeah. Yep, yep. I can't just say I was living in the yeah. hood. Yeah, but, but no, that's that, that keeps But it I real. stayed yeah. true to my roots. That's and good. the first place I lived, actually, I was roommates with a guy named Bobby Houck, mm-hmm. uh, who ended up being the football coach at Montana, then was at UNLV, mm-hmm. was a coordinator for a couple of years. Now he's back at Montana as the head coach in football. Mm-hmm. He was a grad assistant for Derry, Terry Donnie at the time. And then Doug Erickson, who's basketball operations at UCLA, mm-hmm. has been there 28 years, one more wow. year than John Wooden, I like to say. <laughs> and I had played with his brother uh, at Chapman, Al Erickson, and that led to Doug getting on staff with Coach Eric, hiring him. And now he's there 28 years. He's outlived, I think, six coaches, Coach Eric, mm-hmm. myself, let's see, Brad, uh, Ben Halland. Mm-hmm. Steve Alford. Steve Alford, Murray Barto, and now Mick yep. Cronin. So six coaches, and there Doug Erickson has lived through them all. Are you He's... already firing Mick Cronin? Is that what the sound <laughs> like you're saying? <laughs> Mick Cronin's gone. Or, I mean, that's the six, way you said six that. Coaches, six coaches, I had one more thing I just remembered. Uh, can you settle a bet for me? I, I've had this debate with my brother forever. Um, the, I swear we'll let you go. Coach. We are going to let you go. This, this is the last thing I want to ask. We're good. I've had this argument with my brother forever. Uh, the clip with you and Majerus when you're at ESPN. Do, do, if you know what I'm talking about, I feel like I know the answer already. I... I am of the opinion that you knew exactly what he said. And for those listening, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, Coach Lav was talking about Rudy Gay. He tosses it over to Rick Majerus, who who says, you know, you brought up Gay. I got to say, I'm not a big gay guy. Is what Rick Majerus says, and you, t- you look to me. I've always had, I've always been of the opinion that you turn to the camera and start cheesing because you picked up on what he said exactly immediately. Is that true? It is true. Yes. And, yes. and Dave Revson, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, was the host yeah. of the show. And my immediate reaction, I heard it. I was going to say, but because it was around Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm always thinking about themes yeah. and narratives and headlines, you know, for the seasons to try and tie something in other than just basketball to our work in the studios. How do I tie a bow on this? <laughs> right. Otherwise, it'd get to be a little bit Groundhog Day. Right? Yeah. You know, and uh, just to liven it up to entertain ourselves, if for nothing else, even if the audience doesn't find it entertaining, we do. So I wanted to say, but you are a big jolly guy. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. Christmas, Santa yeah, Claus, right, right, right. Oh, that's great. And joy and, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great joke for the family. But there also was the filter. Right. You know, and I think... Being at UCLA for 12 years, right? both as an assistant head coach, you know, it 
it definitely teaches you, and that was even before mm-hmm. social media and the right. bombardment of information, everything that um, Marshall McLuhan saw coming in terms of uh, the electronic age and instruments and tools and whatnot, like these phones that we have right here. <laughs> but I, I just buttoned up, buttoned the yeah. lip. No, you, you played it perfectly. It was the you just turned Michael Scott and just smile. Yeah, just smile. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you just turned and smile. That's all you needed. Within a blink, That's all you needed. I was imagining what could end up happening right. from this, you know, yeah. potential Meanwhile, Coach firestorm. Just keeps talking. Like, yeah, it was so, it was so great because it's perfect. It's on YouTube. You look at it now, like you handled it perfectly. You just turned and smiled because, like, every time I watch it, I yeah, I, I'm glad you. I'm glad it wasn't an accident because you know how it is. Sometimes when you're on TV. You're not necessarily paying attention to what the other guy's saying, so I didn't know True. if it was. It could have just been a turn and a coincidence that you just turned and smiled mm-hmm. at that time. But I always believed in my heart of hearts <laughs> that you knew what he said and you were reacting to it. Uh, I did. And, that, that makes me so happy. And, and rest <laughs> in peace, Rick Majerus. Yes. He was one of the great basketball intellects, and he's oh, someone one of the great was, characters too. And he was interested in things other than yeah. basketball, social justice, yeah, and uh, interesting background. I think his father was a union guy mm-hmm. way back. In yeah, the day in in, the, in uh, the Midwest in Milwaukee, didn't he? I I, I heard two things about him, and I, we're making this interview way longer than I meant for it to be. But um, it's fine. One was that he he took the U, he took the USC job for right a couple for days. a couple days, and his mom said like you can't eat like they don't have good enough food out there that you got to stay home. Like, there's something about like his mom saying. Mm-hmm. Right, like the this was the rumor I always heard, like something about like stay in Milwaukee. We have great sausages here. Like they don't have that in L.A. And the other one is that he always lived in a hotel and never actually had like a real apartment or house. Those yeah. are the two things I always remember. And, about and I think years. and something with a towel, I guess. Like <laughs> ma- like many of the discussions we've had, yeah. right today, it's interesting to know the uh, you know apocryphal, right? Yeah, the degree of authenticity to them because. Mm-hmm. Good storytellers, right, as you guys yeah. know, and can appreciate, will embellish at times mm-hmm. uh, to make the stories more interesting mm-hmm. uh, or just to get a good laugh, right. which is yeah. understandable. Right. Right. Damn Gandhi. So, <laughs> so, you know, I think his mother was was in the late stages of her life, oh, okay. and that was an aspect that he enjoyed at television was getting more time with his mother. Now, that's mm-hmm. one of the areas I was fortunate. Both times I was fired, you know, I was able to spend time with my dad, you know, before he passed and you can't get that back. And it's different when you're spending a lot of time and you're younger, right? When you get older and you're more best friends with them in your forties and fifties, that's when the good stuff really begins because yeah. they're not so much apparent. They're just your best friends and being able to pay it back and take care of them and whatnot. And then I was fired at St. John's in 2010. I had this run with my mother that I would have never had. So it was kind of interesting, not just saying power, positive thinking, and boy, that's really reframing mm-hmm. being fired twice into a positive light. <laughs> I lived it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's not spinning it. It's if you get time with your mom before yeah. she dies, you know, that outweighs Everything. a basketball yeah. game. Yeah. And I love basketball and, you know, I may coach again well, someday, mean- but that time with my mom, my dad, before they pass, I would take any day of the week over basketball. Yeah, now you're making me feel bad. I thought I thought the story is that he loves his mom cooking so much. He's like, I can't go to USC because that, that, that's I had part, so much respect for him. And, I was like, oh my god, that and is, I think that's what yeah. he would have presented to the media. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what. I also heard yeah. that he wasn't comfortable at USC, mm-hmm. and he was just kind of paying attention to his previous stops in coaching. And there was something about nothing against yeah. USC, mm-hmm. incredible institution, but every person's different. Yeah, sure. so for him. And it could have been, too, just the natural second guessing. He was undefeated at ESPN. He was enjoying the work. I actually 
was with him during those years. I was at ESPN seven years, and I think four or five of them we were together. And so I, I lived it in terms of him thinking about returning, then eventually returning for a week and then coming back. And the ESPN executives were really understanding mm -hmm. because, you know, sometimes they'd say, forget it. You know, yeah. you left us. We're not taking you back. But they did take him back. Amazing day I'll never forget was, you know, he had a rather big jacket. <laughs> and we're in studio and we're right about to go on air. And all of a sudden there's all this smoke coming up <laughs> and his jacket was on a light and it caught fire. And he had like to, Christmas vacation stuff. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. He had to get the, the jacket off and the you know guys, the cameramen are coming over and, and stomping it out with their feet. And he's, he's, Rick, where did you get this rug? This is my like, jacket. And he didn't want to wear that jacket to begin yeah. with. So he's saying, that's what happens. You make me wear a jacket. It ends up catching on fire. You know, And uh, he, if, if he didn't get something, they had those instant analysis instant analysis for 60 seconds, you yeah, gotta yeah, nail yeah. something. Uh -huh. And that's not his forte. He likes to go and riff mm -hmm. uh, like a great jazz musician and talk basketball and be able to move mm -hmm. in very <laughs> unique ways and then bring it back right, yeah. to the main point. And so we'd be in there an hour sometimes with that instant analysis. <laughs> And when he'd mess it up, he would slam his fist. And he's a big individual on that on that yeah. table. I mean, and you know, all kinds of expletives coming out, you That's know, so and smoke coming out of his ears. And uh, so it was priceless, though, you know. And, and we'd actually be like, "Rick, you're good. You almost had it. It's perfect." You know, hey, maybe yeah. just simplify it to just the one thing on Kent Benson. You know? yeah. uh, <laughs> Stick to Benson, right? Or you know, you uh, know, the, the important elements involved in feeding the post. You know, because yeah. he could break things down like to a science. Uh -huh. And um, at times, I'd kid him because I said, "So basically, what you're saying is get the ball inside." I mean, you know, you spent five minutes explaining, yeah, you know, yeah. the intricacies, you yeah. know, that's what made him a better coach probably. But uh, we'd, have fun, we'd have fun that's, with that. Yeah. You know? Oh, I love it. I love uh, it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Coach, for doing this. A pleasure. Great, Congratulations great you. Yeah, on all your success. You. you guys are the sensation. You're, you're setting <laughs> the gold sure standard. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take it for what it is. Though. Big. We're, I like that. Humidity. We're trying to get yeah, at the adult that. table. Talk yeah. to the talk to the people over at the adult table, of Fox, and get us. Let us. Uh, let us grab a dinner. Let us grab one meal. So I'm the advocate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I get a little yeah. kickback. Some Doug Gottlieb tried to be, but we're like Doug. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Doug might he might alienate some people. Yeah, we, we don't want to. Like, yeah. We got Coach uh, Lab. Yeah. You got to know the audience. You know, Doug is. Would you hire Doug to be a coach? I don't think he'd have. Well, am I am, am I the head coach? He's the assistant, yeah. or am I uh, the athletic director? You're the AD. You're the, you're AD. the AD. Would you hire? You're the Oklahoma State. That's the only job he wants. You're right, the Oklahoma if I State. Answer it seriously, yes, we'll cut it out. Not not directly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. From his role in media, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if he were to be an assistant, you know, yeah. or associated coach, because he knows a lot of people, and get the feet wet, you know, three yeah, four three four years, and then I think he'd be ready. Be uh, to be a head coach. Guy. But if, if you've never coached basketball at any level, now yeah. he's played it and he, he's got a program down in Orange County mm -hmm. that his father started and now Doug has kind of taken it on and it's skill development stuff. Doug knows the game, obviously having been a point guard right. and being able to teach the game. And he grew up in a basketball family where his father coached at different levels and had incredible mentors. And uh, his brother is coaching Oregon State as well. But I still think if you're going to coach the Division One level, uh, it's important that you've done it as an assistant or a head coach, just so, because it keeps changing, and yeah. you, you've got to have some feel, familiarity, and and doing it as a player is 
is a big piece, mm-hmm. but I still think you need to do it as an assistant coach before you become a head coach. And now some will say, well, what about Steve Kerr? Unique. The NBA is different. Pat Riley taking the headset off yeah. and stepping in mm-hmm. for the Lakers when they had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and James Worthy and Yeah, when you and have Jamal one of the greatest Wilkes, teams of all time. Yeah, Magic Johnson. Yeah. And then he could grow and learn on the job. And the NBA is different because it doesn't involve the recruiting piece. Sure. It doesn't have compliance in terms of NCAA violations. It doesn't have even the psychology of dealing with 18 and 20-year-olds. More now than before because mm-hmm. the NBA is trended so young. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it's an expectation. If you play like Pat Riley did or Steve Kerr, there's a respect that's built in. And I think you can transition into the pros easier. In college, there's just a multitude of elements that don't have anything to do with basketball. And then there's the basketball side as well. But so if some car dealerships. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If someone <laughs> if someone called yeah. <laughs> if someone called Gottlieb coach, that would be over the line. Yes. We we would have a problem with that, is what you're saying. We'll make sure if we said, yeah, Coach Gottlieb. Uh, all right, thank you, Coach. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thanks, Coach. All right, take care. Before we get back to the show, we're going to talk about Blinkist. Let me tell you about one of the ultimate life hacks. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There's an incredible app that solves this problem. We highly recommend it here in Titus and Tate. It is called Blinkist. It is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. It takes the best key takeaways of the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books, everything in between. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. Titles like, say, I don't know, Don't Put Me In, Coach. Mm. Ever heard of it? Mm. I have. 15 minutes. I had a guy write it for me, and then I kept all the money. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, also, books like The 4-Hour Workweek. I love that book. Mm-hmm. Haven't read it yet, but I love the title. That sounds fantastic. Work I only four had hours four hours, hours <laughs> so I couldn't, could not read it. 4-Hour Workweek is, is fantastic for the blink, for Blinkist people. If you only want to work four hours, uh, you can link, listen to books during those four hours. Or move to L.A., you know? Yeah, yeah there you go. Two options <laughs> there you go. Have Rich Parents. The 4-Hour <laughs> yeah, Workweek. Yes. That'd be awesome if that was the whole book. Go to USC. <laughs> 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 the whole book. Let's <laughs> just have rich parents. All right, thank you. And we're done. First, they want to thank uh, their parents <laughs> in, the, in the Ford. And then, oh, uh, God. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want to read for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to blinkist.com slash. You already know what? It's Tate. Of course, it's to try it for free for seven days and save 20% off your new subscriptions. That's Blinkist, B L I N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Tate to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash Tate. Back to the show. All right, thanks again to Steve Lavin for coming in, uh, sitting down with us, and 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 just being all around great. I was going to ask him, Tate, I was going to throw out my uh, um, thought about how coaches – I have a theory that coach the, the more hair product you use, the more you're cheating – if you're a college basketball coach, but he was being such a nice, nice guy that I, uh, I felt. How like many cheaters do you know that are bad guys? To be honest, you know what I mean. Like most of the guys, that it's a game of college basketball. Yeah. I mean, and def- you know, define bad. You know what I mean. We we what like bad? bag. Yeah. We like bad guys. I just, uh, yeah, I, I meant to bring that up to him, but uh, anyway, 
Thanks, thanks, uh, coach. I'm calling him coach. Yeah, let's call this him coach forever. Yeah, he's our coach. He should be our. He should be the coach of the coach, coach of the, the program. Coach a cop. Of the program. Yeah, yeah, there that's we what we want. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's wrap this thing up. What do we got to hit before we go? We have to hit the fact that the Duke Blue Devils played against Virginia, a game that they always win in Charlottesville, and Jay Huff defied them from Durham. Ten blocks, yeah, from Durham, North Carolina. Yeah. A guy that I'm sure he grew up wanting to play at Duke, and Coach K said, uh, "Not a five star, no, no thanks." Uh, <laughs> he said, he, "Jay, you already have a house in Durham. <laughs> yeah. That's not how this I've works." I already I, had a Jay, Jay Billis. Yeah, I don't. I had the way it works is I buy the house for the families to yes. move to Durham. You already have it. It's like I already live here. I, I go to Jordan High School. He's like, I never heard of it. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Duke lost that game, and then Duke played NC State tonight. They had a rough start in the first half. There was a lot of questions. People were saying, "What's going on with this team?" I thought they. Had had an identity, a, a, mm-hmm. an identity as a defensive team, uh, and they don't have that anymore. Coach K is playing a zone again, which usually are you like, criticizing K? Because it, listen, which is the question? Yeah. Look up in the banners at Cameron. Mm-hmm. If you dare criticize mm-hmm. this man, why don't you go ahead and uh, why don't you go ahead and take a look up, Tate? Just look up. He's slowly like leaning into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I saw tonight, he ran off the court and he like was high fiving people on the way out. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, if you're Coach K, like like LeBron said the other night, just kiss, like kiss my ass. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna do exactly <laughs> what I want to do, and you can literally kiss my ass. Coach Knight taught us that. Uh, yeah. Coach K is living by that mantra, yeah. and I respect that. I like that. I like that about Coach. But K. are you worried? I mean, not you would worry would be the right <laughs> I, word for I'm you. not worried because I know yeah, that I know. Duke is going to win the national title. But probably. uh. uh is this setting the stage for K going down a blaze of glory? Like I feel like that's a the more the more he's like kiss yes. my ass. I don't K care to the anymore, Lakers. Yes, is, send him to the Lakers is setting it up for the uh, the 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 night choking a guy. The the mm-hmm. um, Woody Hayes punching a guy. The just I don't know something. It, it it doesn't. It feels like the more K doesn't give give a damn about anything. The the more we're progressing towards a. Uh, Look, if you already fall out li- where it's uh, it's if you already live in hell. <laughs> I mean, how much worse can it get? You know. Um, we have to talk about Baylor. Uh, is Scott Drew a good coach, in your opinion, Tate? Your thoughts? Uh, yes, right? They won, so he's a good coach. That's how it goes. So uh, we, did they beat TCU, though? Yeah, well, true. Okay, there you go. So we don't know. Again, this is the we just Scott watched Drew, them, we the watched them beat uh, yeah. uh, Texas Tech tonight in overtime. In overtime. They lost at TCU, though. Desmond okay. Bain went nuts on him. Yes. Is he a good coach? He's going to... Let's call it an outlier. I told... Uh, uh, so the two things I'm rooting for now is... Uh, um, UCLA to win the Pac-12 and miss mm-hmm. the tournament. The other thing I'm rooting for is Scott Drew to win 32 games and mm-hmm. not or 30 plus and not win a single trophy, not win the Big 12 regular season, the Big 12 tournament, or make the Final Four and even get like a regional trophy, anything. <laughs> um, that would just be the absolute mm-hmm. perfect Scott Drew season where it's like we don't know. Was it a good year? I don't know. He won 30 games. He was number one in the country for a long time, mm-hmm. but he literally won nothing. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll call him we'll, the Church, we'll, we'll church League Champions. Yeah. You know what we'll I mean? Someone in the church year. will get him a, <laughs> you know, the chaplain or something on the team. That'll that'll be good. But yeah, that'll be yeah, Baylor, we don't know. We don't know. Let's just forget about Baylor. Let's talk about I have like a bunch of notes. This is the first time we've had this uh, our production crew. So I'm kinda like just seeing what the people are talking about in the college basketball world. Brad Underwood, a guy that I love at Illinois, yeah. gets a contract extension. Did you know this? Three year contract extension. He did, yeah. Does it matter? No, no, <laughs> you don't but, care. No, but I just I love that those are like stories that we put out to the world to say like Illinois likes Brad Underwood. Does has there ever been a contract extension in college basketball history that you cared about? Danny Manning, <laughs> yeah. only Danny Manning, because I support Danny. Manning. I really I don't I don't think there's ever been a time. Where, I guess John Calipari. Yes, is the one. Lifetime I signed a deal. lifetime deal, mm-hmm. and we found out it was only for ten years. I was like <laughs> I cared, but only because I was like, wow, cows. someone mislabeled yeah, this. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, oof. Or some, or it's, or someone's tipping us off for plans they have yes. ten years from now. <laughs> yes. Look out for the coronavirus, Coach Gillespie. Cal. It's coming for He's you. He's coming back. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, by the way, 
Are we getting updates? No, live I'm updates? Getting, I'm getting live texts. Uh, Gottlieb's texting me about how much he loves laugh. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> My phone's blowing up right now. It's right, Gottlieb. Well, he's a, I saw your you tweet. You send him the end of this show. I saw your tweet. Yeah. Said, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So we'll find I guess we're going to find out if Gottlieb listens to the show or not. Mm-hmm. We, we, will, we have a new John Dealer situation. Spoiler on alert. Does he does he? not. <laughs> he listened to his episode. Uh, can I can I just say, uh, can we pour one out for Maryland real quick? I, they're yes. still going to win the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um but as it turns out, Maryland is not the juggernaut we thought they were, and they go into a game against Michigan State and just get. At, I, I I've been saying all for the last two months. I want to see Maryland in a blowout. I want to see them. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just want to see like a dominant performance, and I got that. But it was from Michigan State. Maryland was blown out from start mm-hmm. to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, they were embarrassed on their home court. As it turns out, everything I said about Maryland is true. They have not played a, four, a good forty minutes in two full months. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're going to win the Big Ten, so that's cool. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. I mean, look, it's a win. At the end of the day, it's a win for the Terps. That's what we care about here. Uh, if, if they're happy. Also, we should point out another team that went after us, Marquette. Marcus Howard, senior day, big moment. Everyone's like, this yeah. is Marquette's moment to make Marquette the statement. Fans. Marcus Howard's the best player in the Big East, right? Yeah. We're going to see it here yeah. today. And uh, uh, we're all in. You know, Miles Powell, he delivered, and uh, Seton Hall gets the win. So... We're just pointing that out. Yeah, you know, listen, we're not patting ourselves on the back, but, but just but at the same time, I'm gonna pull a muscle in my I'm gonna pull my tricep if I reach too far back. Yeah, just to, pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Speaking of, can we can we point out quickly before we move on that Titus and Tate is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. We just had to say that. Do we so, really? I just well, look at us, dude. Yeah, Are yeah, we? Had to bring that up. No, I just thought about that. I didn't. That wasn't that was very ad. natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just came to my mind. <laughs> Um, in the country, uh, I, I got. I want to shout out a couple Ohio things. Number one, um, we, we were talking about Kay throwing haymakers at the haters. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Holtman, did you see this? Did you hear about this? Beat, we beat Michigan. I'm saying mm-hmm. we. I'm back on the we train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the panic button course. has been unpressed. Yes, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're on the we button. Now. Ranked. Smash the we button. Back. Beat um, Michigan. He said he saw all the tweets from all the haters. Mm-hmm. Everyone in January, basically. So uh, I forget who it was. Was it Sperber? I think that tweeted out the uh, uh, Jordan Sperber. Who, if you're a basketball nerd, mm-hmm. great Twitter follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he tweeted out like efficiency rankings by month, and he was highlighting UCLA's because UCLA's is like in November seven hundred six, and in December mm-hmm. twelve thousand, and then in, in February it's like twelve, and you're like, mm-hmm. where the hell did this come from? Um, Ohio State's was what was lost in that because everyone was focusing on the UCLA one was Ohio State's numbers were like they were number one in November, mm-hmm. number seven in uh, December, then like eighty six. <laughs> In January, and then they're back to like. In the what top happened 10. in Vegas? So we basically, just something happened in Vegas. They had a bad month. They're back. Chris Holtman <laughs> saying, "Any, I, I saw all your tweets when we went two and six. I saw them all. Thank God I didn't tweet anything. Um, I just said I hit the panic button on the." It's a dicey proposition because Coach Holman follows both of us. So anything we say, we know he may see, especially after he says something like that. So we'll just keep saying nice things about Ohio State, regardless of what's going on. No, the Buckeyes are playing well. Yeah, they're doing uh, great. We love them. Great team. Yeah, and also also Dayton is the other Ohio shout I wanted to give. Dayton, did you see that Dayton? First of all, they got us shirts. That's awesome. They sent them into the studio. Uh, fantastic the only D's work. we'll put on our chest, Dayton. Mm. Well, maybe you Speak may put yourself. another D on your chest, I, Duke. I would never put uh, that on my chest. <laughs> never, Duke. Na- name the price, and I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm easily bought a house um, in Trayburn. Um, Dayton made was it 26 straight two point field goals? Did you see the stat? Oh yeah, this is what Parley Kid sent me. This yeah, yeah. yeah, this is like uh, this is for the fans of Dayton that want to have like the underdog, like you know, to carry the torch for them. Yeah. This is something that they send to their friends. Like I told you, Dayton's a really good team. 
We already know Dayton's a good team. Exactly. We don't need to be told. But this is this is what you say. But it's to still an incredible your neighbor stat. neighbor that you're kind of are you not impressed with, by that stat? Take, I'm impressed by the stat. Yeah. I'm impressed by any Dayton stat. Again, <laughs> put the D on my chest. I'm all about Dayton. Oh man, all about everything Dayton. I'm a frequent flyer. I've been a frequent flyer. And look, you love Ohio. I'd like Ohio. It's okay to me. It's not my favorite. But Dayton is my favorite city in Ohio. Dayton. I've never been there. Even Dayton fans are like, what the hell? No, no, no. I've never been there, but my favorite city in Ohio. Dayton Been to Columbus. Yeah. yeah. Been to Cincinnati. Been, been to all over, you know, driving through all these different places in Ohio. Mm. Dayton's still number one. Have you been to Granville? That's a great city. Um, no. Nope. Athens. Athens is a fun time. No. Nope. You'd love it. You Athens. could say any city, and, I'd, and I would believe that it's in. Shout out Coldwater, Ohio. Ohio. Had a good time there. Got alcohol poison in there. That was a fun night. Um, anything else before we go? <laughs> With moonshine? What's going it on? Was, in I, got, Ohio? I got alcohol poisoning on cherry bombs. It was, uh, <laughs> I went to, I was throwing out the first pitch of a wiffle ball tournament. Okay. And uh, this is a true story. Uh, I was asked to be a celebrity wiffle ball first pitch thrower, and I was like, this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. I have to do this. I, I love And I it. showed up the night before. Um, and I went to the one. <laughs> they got you in hotel. They brought you. Yeah. In. Okay. The, well, they, they let me crash it. No, it gets better. So I, I went. The, <laughs> I did not stay at a hotel. I stayed in someone's RV in their in their front uh, driveway that they parked in the front driveway. And I were you at a family reunion? The, yes. <laughs> like, we uh, got a club trillion here. We went to the bar, the like one local <laughs> bar in the place. Uh, it was owned by I believe Todd Beckman, the quarterback of Ohio mm. State. It was owned by his family. <laughs> They recognized me. Um, they invited me behind the bar, like back, not mm. like behind the bar, but like literally in the back room where yeah. they, the, mm-hmm. the, the big fridges with all the alcohol. Mm-hmm. They said, take whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know, the statute of limitations are probably up. That seems illegal now that I'm thinking about it, but mm-hmm. it's probably been long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, take whatever you want. So I took a gallon of cherry bombs and then I was drinking it all night. And then uh, I threw up in the RV that I slept in. And then I went to throw out the first pitch and I was still drunk. I was not hungover. I was yes. still drunk. And uh, I threw out the first pitch. I walked over to the to the shadow of the tree, the shade, passed out, uh, missed the entire tournament, mm-hmm. um, woke up, and uh, 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 just basically drank a bunch of water for a few hours until I could drive back to Columbus. This That's sounds like you were set up in cold water. Yeah. They were yeah, basically, like, let's get this guy hammered. He'll throw out an easy first much pitch. And then God we'll... knows what they did to me while I was knocked out. But <laughs> <laughs> Only cold water, no. Love you, cold water. Uh, anything else before we go, Tate? Uh, I just want to point out Kobe White, a guy that a lot of people that uh, mm-hmm. are saying is not a great point guard compared to the likes of John Moran and these other people. Having a great run right now. You know, Again, I brought it yep. up last week, 33, 33, 35. Led the team in points tonight, the Bulls, and they got to win. So Kobe White figured it out. Well, congratulations, Kobe White. Shout out Seton Hall. <laughs> want to share at least of the Big East. Title. I will bring up Kobe. I will be the only media member yeah. to ever bring up Kobe yeah. White. Yeah, and I yeah. will stand there and I will like it. I will enjoy it. Uh, uh, Seton With Hall. this D on my chest. <laughs> Seton Hall want to share the Big East first. The uh, first uh, uh, time they've done that since 1993. Shout out to them. Um, that's it. That's the show. Go uh, go check out Homage. We have shirts. You can yes. buy shirts. We're giving away shirts for the uh, uh, send in your dirty laundry stories. Uh, Titus and Tate at gmail.com. We will be reading those. We're excited to, to, to bring that back. That's everyone's favorite segment. We, we've been purposely holding mm-hmm. it off. I wanted to do it right. Like, that was the problem, is I feel like we have to give something away. You have to, like, make mm-hmm. it a competition and say there's a winner, there's a prize. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the prize is just a stupid t shirt, but uh, there is a prize now. So now we're going to bring it back. Um, maybe also- two stupid t shirts. You know, maybe, maybe we get, yeah, maybe Let's a get couple crazy. t-shirts. I feel like two is better than one. Yeah, we'll give away some shirts. So uh, send in your stories. We'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, it's March. It's here. We're excited. Let's make it happen. How do we stop John Rossi? He's taking over the world right now. Well, maybe we'll see this for the next episode. We'll but my goodness, it is March.
thanks again to DraftKings. Again, we are thrilled to announce a brand new partnership. With we're so thrilled to announce it that you <laughs> cut into the podcast to announce it. I just, I mean, it was look, amazing. No, You're no, so no. excited. There's someone over here <laughs> yelling at me to do this. It's, it's not me, even though it did just come to my mind. It was not sponsored. Uh, you may know them as the leader in daily fantasy sports. I know I do. But what you may not know is that they have recently launched America's top-rated sportsbook app. That's right, folks. DraftKings Sportsbook offers a full college basketball gambling experience, including futures on conference winners. We yep. talk about this all the time. Player of yep. the year, coach of the year. This is all in addition to pregame, in-game, uh, parlay betting, all this other stuff. DraftKings Sportsbook is a legal, safe, and secure betting app. We've talked about it a million times. <laughs> a million <laughs> times. All of them you, can deposit, you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TATE for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code TATE and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, offer valid in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, and each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. See you on Friday.